Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsion, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and super excited to dive into this episode. Before I do, though, I do want to uh, address a question that I get a lot, which is, what kind of training plan do I use, or do you have recommendations for training plans, or for a coach that I should invest in? So for me, whenever I make recommendations for anything, it's always based on things that I've used in my own running and my own career and what's worked really, really well for me. So for me, Um, Number one, I think having at least a training plan in your training is crucial to not only get great results and hit your goals, but also to progress safely. So many times, and even in my early career, I remember I would progress really, really quickly uh, in terms of distance and mileage and workouts, and I didn't know what the heck I was doing, and ultimately I ended up injuring myself, I ended up getting burnt out, and it just was not great at all. And it really was only until I started to follow a solid training plan, um, attuned to my specific race distance, my experience level, how many times uh, I had to really uh, work with in terms of a training block, all those kind of things, I really started to see myself making better progress a lot quicker, making myself be more healthy and not getting injured as many times or not feeling burnt out or mentally strung out by the training. And ultimately, I was able to hit my goals and enjoy my training blocks so, so much more. And on top of that too, I've even gone further and hired a coach as well. But the cool thing is, the coach that I hired is the same person who developed the training plans, which is Zach Bitter. Now, if you're familiar with Zach, and you probably are, you know that he's one of the greatest ultramarathon athletes of all time. He's the former record holder for fastest 100-mile time and most miles traveled in a 24-hour period uh, in a running event. Uh, he is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things um, progressing and training and optimization and all those things as well. And what's super cool is he offers pre-made training plans that you can pick based on the distance you're training for, your experience level, and also how much time that you need to train for the race, which are three important pillars that I think everybody needs to get when it comes to a training plan. Plus, you know, he's coached hundreds and hundreds of athletes as well. So being able to take all that experience from not only his own racing, but also his experience of coaching others, he's able to really fine tune an amazing training plan for you to help hit your goals, whether it's a 5k or whether it's a hundred miles, he has a plan for you. And if you want to go even deeper, you can actually hire him as a personalized coach where he's going to take a plan and personalize it to your lifestyle. So that includes your schedule, your stress levels, your sleep levels, your lifestyle, your goals, everything else like that, he goes even further and personalizes it in a personalized plan and also offers calls where you can hop on with him on a routine basis to go over your training, answer your questions, and ultimately get the coaching you need. That's the package that I've used with Zach over the past year and a half, and I've seen incredible results with him uh, going from pretty much an average and mediocre runner to placing top 10 male at Javelin 100, which was one of the most stacked events last year on the ultra running circuit. So if you want to make great progress, if you want to have an awesome training plan or 
if you're looking for an amazing coach, I cannot recommend Zach even more than I already do. He is just amazing to uh, work with and just an awesome, awesome coach and uh, person to get a training plan from. So if you're interested in the training plans, go to the, the show notes and go to the link in there, which is zachbitter.com slash training hyphen plans, or you can go to his coaching options at zachbitter.com slash coaching. Again, go to the show notes, check it out, get Zach's plan for your next uh, ultra or hire him as a coach and I promise you will not be disappointed, my friends. All right. Thank you so much again for listening. Appreciate you a ton. Now let's dive into this amazing episode here. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and we're here today with a new series of episodes. So if you listen to the podcast, you know we've generally had a few different types of episodes. We usually have the ones where we bring on an athlete and we have an interview with them. Um, there's some episodes where it's usually just me riffing about some random topic or some sort of thing that's going to help you become a better endurance athlete. But the more that I was kind of thinking about different content and uh, as I've been collaborating with uh, our two uh, co-hosts today too, um, you know, we've all been thinking that there's a lot of noise out there in the trail running and ultra running community. And we want to be able to do something different where, you know, we're not just recapping things that are going on in the ultra world, but we're just having, you know, a normal conversation with a little hot takes here and there, maybe uh, about like what's going on in the ultra world and just kind of having a general conversation. So uh, we're looking to do a monthly series with myself and my two co-hosts here today, Sarah and Melissa Staszewski frequent flyers of the Everyday Ultra podcast. Um, and we're just going to sit here and just kind of talk about things that are going on in the ultra world, right? Because, you know, we see it in every other sport, whether it's basketball or baseball or whatever the the normal sports are out there, but we don't really see too much commentary in the trail world. So it'd be cool to bring things in here today. So we're this is the first episode here. We're fresh. We're rolling this out and we're just making it happen. So without further ado, I'd like to bring on my amazing co-hosts here, Sarah and Melissa Ostazuski. Sarah and Melissa, what's up? Hi, what's up? Thanks what's for having us back on. Oh, of course. Well, it sounds like you'll be not only frequent flyers, but a permanent mainstay of uh, this monthly series, which would be super cool. Super excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. We always have good chats, so I have high hopes for this. I, I have high hopes too. The the bar is set high. I was telling uh, you two before that like I get great feedback every time you're on the show. So it's super cool to have you both on again too, which is uh which is awesome. And not only to have you both on again, but as a part of a winning team at Cocodona 250, which congratulations, freaking awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. <laughs> I know we've chatted a bit because we saw you and your runner, you were out pacing across the finish line. Um, that was pretty exciting too. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so awesome to see you like right at the finish line, because I was telling Aaron or I was telling you when Aaron and I were pacing, we were like following along like madmen on the tracker. And when we saw you won, we were going absolutely bonkers, just like screaming on the trail, just going nuts. And so it was so cool to see you at the finish line and be like, let's go Sarah. And like Melissa was there too. And we were like, let's go. Like, cause we knew it was a team effort and um, it was just so, so cool to see that, but like coming off of what we're like two, three weeks removed from Coca-Dona, like how are things like, how, how has it been coming back to reality after the amazing win? Yeah. I had brain fog for probably the first <laughs> month. Um, yeah. Everyone's kind of been asking me like, how's it going? Um, I think this is probably the worst like brain fog that I've had. Like I was 
space cadet for probably a whole week um slow to, to make decisions for sure but yeah getting back into running <laughs> trying to be a good coachable athlete and keep things short and easy but we're getting getting back to it <laughs> do you have like an itch to like get back like like real like just just as hard as you were before like is it or do you because I know some people when they do like these big races and even for me it's sometimes like I'll race and I'll be like ah like I just kind of want structured training maybe a little side but like are you like itching to get back to it like full speed yeah I mean who doesn't like to be outside I feel like um you know it's important to take recovery I've tried to I've tried to be serious about it this time and I think it's been nice um you know, coming away with the result that I wanted. It's like, it felt better to just chill and take it in. <laughs> but yeah, I'm uh, itching to get back to the kind of normal long runs for sure on weekends. It's like, you know, if I'm not driving out of town to the Canyon or Sedona, if I'm just in Flagstaff, I'm like, man, I have a lot of extra time. <laughs> I need some, some other hobbies that I need to pick back up. So yeah, I mean, it's just nice to be outside. I mean, um, you know, bike, hike, and stuff like that. But got to keep the runs short, I think, for another week or so. Melissa and I have that other race coming up. So, yeah, we'll get we'll get back to long runs. <laughs> Hopefully soon. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I definitely want to talk a little bit about that race because that's super interesting to hear. And before I do, too, like, I know, like, obviously, racing is a big ordeal, but crewing is, too. And it was awesome because on the live stream, uh, I was doing some commentary before and they panned both of you on and they were like, well, like, what do you think is going to be an X factor for Sarah on there? I was like, well, Sarah's super tough, but like her crew is like super dialed. And like Melissa has like the experience of not just crewing Cocodona, but crewing Sarah. And I was like, that's going to be like an asset out there. And lo and behold, like from hearing like your recaps, like the crew was kind of dialed in from there. So Melissa, like from your perspective, like being in like the driver's seat of, you know, crewing uh, Sarah out there and just being a part of that team, like, like what was that well-oiled operation looking like from your end? <laughs> yeah. Well-oiled machine out there. there you go. I, mean, I guess the crew chief, you know, for three years now. So I think uh, this is actually this past year was probably the most fun I've ever had as a uh, crew member on Sarah's uh, team. And I think Sarah had a lot of fun too. I don't think like anyone was getting angry or impatient. Um, and that was like a big goal of mine just to like, stay kind of impatient and you know realize that we're stay all out patient. here well yeah <laughs> stay um, patient stay patient yeah <laughs> um and uh you know we're all out here to help support Sarah and there's nowhere else that we had to be for that whole I mean essentially a week we had given ourselves so like that felt great um and yeah Sarah brought in a ton of different pacers including myself we had seven people um, which was the biggest crew that I think Sarah's ever had at Cocodona or, uh, <laughs> or at any of her races. And uh, each uh, crew member brought a little bit something different to the pacing strategy. You know, we as a crew talked beforehand, like, what do we think Sarah's going to want to hear from us? What are we going to have to get her at well, some of these aid stations? Didn't you have some things that you did to help me out? Like yes. before I would get to the aid station, you made certain decisions. We did make <laughs> certain decisions before <laughs> each time, you know, someone would come out um, and pace her for a new section. And um, are you talking about the jokes that we all had prepared? <laughs> <Chairs> jokes. Yeah. <laughs> well, <I> and... <laughs> 
What was, give me an example of a joke. I'm actually curious. Gosh, you know what? So what happened is we dad had, jokes. we had, yeah, dad, dad jokes. jokes, not very good, kind of made us laugh. But, you know, we were, you know, I, I also said, I'm like, I'm not sure Sarah's going to buy these. But uh, we had jokes prepared at uh, Friendly Pines for the entirety of the race. We're like, oh, yeah, we can like distribute these across the race. No pacer out there told any of the jokes. What <laughs> so, the hell? I mean, I can't actually remember any of them. I don't tell jokes anyway, but I, I couldn't <laughs> even. Was, it's not really my style, but uh, we had we that's one thing that we had talked about trying um didn't pan out this year but <laughs> i don't know if sarah would have bought it anyway um but even to at the beginning we were pretty you know lighthearted. didn't really tell sarah where she was in the race like placement wise um or like how far ahead people were or how far behind others were um towards the beginning and i would say as it got to the flagstaff locations um those eight stations you know fort tuthill walnut canyon um, especially those, we got progressively more serious and we were all aware of the race and what was happening ahead and behind Sarah. And so we kind of made some decisions around that, like when we would distribute this information to Sarah, if she was open to hearing it. Um, and then at some of those aid stations too, we would, this is a trick. I think we, this worked. Um, Sarah would like get her stuff ready, get ready to go and then sit back down on like, let's say the couch at Friendly Pines. And we're like, no, 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 no. You can, there's a better station at Whiskey <laughs> Row. You can take a break at the next one. So we did that a number of times. And Sarah's like, oh yeah, great. That sounds great. That sounds great. And so we were able to get her out of some of these aid stations faster just because we lied <laughs> um, and well, said she could yeah. have a break at the next one, which, you know, just kept going on i don't think she got a break a real break until sedona um and then like at walnut canyon for example uh kyle Curtin, who became the the, the crew chief after he arrived <laughs> super strict which was great because <laughs> you think i'm strict i think kyle's stricter um he at walnut canyon he said i don't think sarah should sit down we got to get her away from the aid station to our vehicle the crew vehicle don't put any chairs out. So we're like, okay. Like, so even that we ended up, Sarah ended up spending five minutes in that aid station. We were, had everything ready to go. Um, it was like probably the most amazing like pit crew aid station I've been a part of. Um, so just, you know, things like that. Um, uh, we got progressively more serious and dialed as the race got going. I think that's the vibe too, <laughs> that you might want to have at Cogodona. Like my intention had always been to kind of race it, run my own race, but like pick up the pace, be very focused, kind of like laser focus from Fort Tuthill on. Um, so I think like what the crew was doing for sure matched my <laughs> larger intentions going into the race. But yeah, I mean, when you're that close to the, you know, to the finish, um, I think it's nice to have that many people who also have the same goal as you essentially. Mm, that's so awesome. And it's so cool to see like, cause even in the beginning of the race, right. When we saw, I, I saw you coming into uh, crown King, like very much taking your time, kind of taking it easy. And like, you would think intuitively from, you know, someone like me who hasn't even been a part of this race that like the more eight stations you go by, probably the more time you'll take, but it seemed like that was taking less and less time the farther you got in. Cause it was just like 
more go time on there, which I'm sure was probably the reverse of what other people were doing out there. They're probably taking more time where you were just gaining all this time on this aid stations to just get up and get out and really just get back on the trail as soon as possible. Like, do you think like that was a vibe kind of out there towards the end? Yeah, for sure. And I think Kyle definitely helped out with that to keep it, try to keep it within minutes. Like I know there were a few times where he's like, okay, what do you have to do to get out of this aid station in three minutes? And then the next time it was like one minute, I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Like I've never spent this little time in aid stations ever. So, but it adds up like Coca Donut adds up. I think, um, this year it was nice. I was just telling Melissa, like, it feels like besides a few longer, you know, I, I took longer naps twice along the course, but outside of that, it felt like I was just running my whole way through, like for sure I could have cut down on aid station time even more, but, um, from what it was the past two years, like huge improvements, um, that really helped me out, you know, with the end result. But, um, yeah, I think, it just felt like I was out there for, you know, almost 73 hours just running the entire way, like running for three days and change, which is kind of cool, like to not feel like I've stopped that many times. Yeah, I just thinking back to what I did the past two years um, where I definitely like broke it up because I took such long breaks at various points. Um, it, you know, <laughs> it's race mode, right? And I, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. Um going in like that's the goal the type of goals that I had set going into the race and it's yeah it's so cool to have had a crew that just <laughs> knew that I <laughs> think me out. yeah I think that's where the experience of having done the race before really shows mm-hmm. though too because um you know Sarah made this great chart um I had a spreadsheet a spreadsheet for like pacing kind of goals and then the time frame that she thought she might be at certain aid stations so it was already kind of built in and you know to take strategic longer breaks at certain aid stations that made sense for like time of day placement in or like location along the race um that sort of thing so I think that was also um you know like luckily Sarah was able to stick to that pretty pretty consistently at every single aid station um so that made it easier for the crew as well um but also like you know you know when you've got a bigger break coming up um, or potential bigger break. Not that any of the breaks were that long. <laughs> um, but I'd say that's something again to just knowing the course and um having, you know, Sarah having done it a number of times beforehand um yeah. really helps. And knowing like the like where I felt I had made mistakes. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm taking a longer break in Sedona. I should push through, you know, these couple sections right immediately before um you know go a little hard not I you know wasn't you know going too hard I don't think but um you know I'm like okay use the caffeine more I you know maybe have to take some dirt naps but it's like you can hold on I think if you know you have a planned longer break and that's just yeah compared to what I knew how I wanted to kind of experience it this year compared to other years it's yeah it worked out or um you could kind of push it a bit knowing you have kind of a <laughs> bit of a treat or something at a, at a certain aid station. Yeah. That's a, such an awesome mental strategy to deploy too. And even to your point about having that experience, I think it's just so crucial like out there. I mean, even if you look at like the, both the winners from obviously your side and winning on the female side, but like even Mike, who's been on the course three times finished twice, but like 
like if you listen to the race recaps, whether it's from both of you or even Mike, like the reflections that they bring on, like when people ask like, what made you successful? It was like, oh, this race, I did this and I changed it this time. And that is such like a huge level up to anyone. Like I would have probably bet like all the money in my bank account that like someone who was a first time Cocodona person wouldn't have won out there. Like, I don't think there was any shot. In, in my opinion. And I think that if people continue to keep coming back, like, I think the odds are just so much in favor of people with the course experience out there. I don't know. What do you, what thoughts on that? What do you think? Oh man. Yeah. I think it's cool. It's definitely cool this year to have seen, you know, there were, I think eight people that came back for the third year and we all, I think had different experiences than our previous races. Like I think that's from either wanting different like outcomes different results or just knowing like this is the kind of experience that I want this year um like Aaron you know he knew he could push it more than he had in the past but (laughs) we were chatting with him after he's like I didn't have to be miserable like I you know he had took showers he took naps hours long naps along the course and still had a faster time you know like he was happy the whole time um able to have more than one gear you know, on these last final stretches of a 250 mile race. So, um, yeah, seeing people and Andrew Glaze too, like mm-hmm. he again, did not have crew. He was relying on drop bags, but, um, you know, he decided to do the Coco Canyons 350. And so he knew that was going to be a different Coco Dome experience. You know, he's coming in, not, not on fresh legs. Um, yeah, I think it's cool to see people figuring it out, chatting with people, who have done it and then kind of forming like their own experience that they want to have, like whether that's pushing it harder or kind of, you know, cruising on some sections and enjoying, you know, time with pe- other people on the course um, for however many days. So yeah, definitely cool to see how people are approaching um, Cocodona specifically. Yeah. I like that. Like making the different experience. Right. Because like, I think I was talking earlier today with, with Dakota Jones about this. Like he, we, he's doing Transvolcania like four or five times. And I asked him that question. I was like, were you like wanting to recreate the experience on the first time? And he's like, well, I don't think that should ever be the goal. Like you never want to recreate the same experience because the reality is you never will. But if you lean into creating different experiences, both still like positive, that's like where the magic is. And I think people come back to Cocodona, um, I'm assuming like just kind of hearing from you and like Jeff Garmeyer and Andrew and like all the people who have come back like that. It's not because you want to recreate the experience it's because you want to create a new experience on such an epic course over that race, which I think is just so freaking cool. And even, even course wise, you've gotten different courses pretty much all three years, which is super cool too. Yeah, it is a great course. <laughs> Except for that Walnut Canyon stretch. That one, uh, Except I mean, for a few sections, yeah. Yeah, but that Walnut Canyon. The, the Mingus Descent. You know. <laughs> yeah, wh- tell us a little bit about that, because, like, I, I heard uh, people have been cursing out that section like crazy. Like, and Melissa, you paced, that was the only one you haven't paced before coming into this Cocodona. So it was your first time doing that descent, too. Like, what was, what's all the uh, the cursing out on Mingus Mountain about? Everyone's just slamming it like no tomorrow. Yeah. So I believe, is that the only, I haven't actually done the Schneebly or actually I haven't actually paced the Sedona up to Munns. Oh, wow. I've done those 
a lot of that myself just in training runs and adventure days, but I actually haven't, that's the only section now I haven't paced. Mm. Um, so maybe I'll have to pay someone uh, in a future year. <laughs> running you got to check off the whole course, all the sections. Um, <laughs> Cause yes, this uh, I did this year, my few, uh, my lowest amount of mileage mileage. She's downgraded, downgraded, downgraded. 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 So <laughs> yeah, fewest miles I've ever done pacing in Cocodona this year. Um, but I, how much, the, yeah, how many, it was like just under 50 Oh, geez. It's still a lot. It's still so much. <laughs> um, and the section that I got to pace super excited when I started off, she was so like pumped up, like, let's go. It was from, I started at Mingus down to dead horse was my, what was my first section this year, which I had never done before. And let me tell you that descent off of Mingus, it has good views. And there was like a nice breeze. I thought it didn't get too hot, um, but it is not a fast descent. It is kind of narrow, um, rocky. There's the baby head rocks, loose, a slanted trail. And it was, I was looking at my Strava afterwards. I think almost 8,000 feet of descent in that marathon. It was a marathon, about a marathon distance oh down God. to Dead Horse from Mingus. Um, so eight, almost 8,000 feet of descent in there. Um, and I told Sarah on that section, I you know was kind of ahead of her. I looked back at Sarah running down to the Jerome mine. And when she caught up to where I was standing, I'm like, Sarah, I cannot believe, like, I'm actually impressed. I cannot believe you've come back a third time to run Cocodona because that section alone would maybe <laughs> make me not want to <laughs> sign up. <laughs> um, it was beautiful, really good views. What's crazy is you can see, um, you know, the Flagstaff peaks uh, with the, you know, snowcap peaks from that section and you're like, wow, that is where I'm headed. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty cool. I thought it was a really beautiful section, um, except for the trail that I was running on. So <laughs> it was really rocky early in focus. It does turn into, you get some gravel, you come down a very steep, like loose rock slanted little trail. And then you hit the gravel, which turns into pavement. So I mean, for Melissa, that's ideal. Like the fast, flat <laughs> stuff into Jerome. Um, and I know you guys, you were on the live stream there because the um, the live live stream feed camera caught up to us as we were coming into Jerome and we heard your voice. <laughs> that was actually really awesome. Not that we were in bad spirits, but that lifted the spirits even higher um, coming into that aid station because Sarah had spent a little bit of extra time there last year. So in my mind, I was hoping that Sarah would just um, kind of get what she needed and get out. Uh, and make her way down to dead horse. Um, so yeah, actually hearing you and kind of some updates from the live stream was quite nice. That was so funny. Like when, like it called in and you were like, all, all of a sudden you just hear, is that Joe? And then we're all like, yep. Yeah, what's up guys? Like we were just cheering you on, which is super cool. But yeah, I, that descent, I mean, I didn't know it was a marathon long. Like for some reason I thought it was maybe like 10 miles or something like that, but 26 miles of just, I think to Jerome, it's like six, I want to say it's like 16 or 17. And then the rest yeah. is to down from Jerome to dead horse. 
That is brutal. My gosh. Like for that chunky, like Phoenix style, probably like just downhill is just super crazy. Like to even just think about like in that regard. So kudos to you for doing that for three years. And Melissa, kudos to you for pacing that section. Cause yeah, everyone says that was probably like the worst section besides like maybe Fane Ranch. But um, I don't know. I didn't hear too many like people cursing out Fane Ranch as much as last year. Like last year, I feel like like that was the worst section. And this year people were like, meh, I don't know if it was because they had like that jacked up aid station right before it and people were just in good spirits. But I don't know, like did anything change with that section or was it just kind of like same shitty cow patch vibe? Yeah, definitely the same Cowpatch vibe. I think last, so last year for me, I think it was, it's challenging in the night or the day, but last year my pacer and I were really struggling. Like we had Gaia out, we were watching our trackers, trying to find the core, like the correct way to go. Cause you have to go through a tunnel there. So you want to make it to the mm. right spot to like climb over, over the fence, go through the tunnel and continue on. This year with Arlen, it was during the day. So like we had to squint a little bit to see the orange flags like on the horizon or like on the hill of the, uh, you know, slight hill in the grass, tall grass. But um, I think it was more, it felt more straightforward this year for sure, just because we could see everything. Um, Not, you can't always see the cactus that you might step on in the grass, but um, I feel like it was, a little easier in the daylight and I was there I looked out again I think for me timing worked out for like morning e- afternoon evening on the right parts of the course like that uh kind of worked out the way I wanted it to but yeah I wasn't there in like the baking hot afternoon so um you know early morning it was still pretty cool I didn't you know it, we, it was exposed but it was the temperatures weren't um that high yet so yeah not too rough this year yeah, that's Arlen's a fun guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, he is awesome. And I remember like seeing his like Strava. He was like, Yeah, I kicked like so many cactuses out there and everything. I was like, Oh my gosh, like sounds like there's just a bunch of landmines out there. Which, yeah, uh, welcome to Arizona. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A good welcome to Arizona for Arlen, which is super awesome. Um, I do have two other questions. Uh, one is just kind of like more to the both of you. I'm just curious to hear like what is maybe a wild story from Cocodona that maybe you haven't shared like yet to the public. Like this is like first breaking news of like a wild story. There's got to be something over 250 miles. Like from I want to hear. Yeah. I want to hear something from Melissa or from what the, the crew was having. So I had fun. It Melissa's right. I think it was the most fun me and my crew have had at Cocodona. It was just, yeah, every everybody brought something different to the table, I think. But yeah, the crew was having a blast out when I, when I was running. So partying it up. Well, I did post this on my stories, but we could start at Friendly Pines, which I don't know why the crew started calling a number of aid stations like by the wrong name. Um, you know, like we started calling Friendly Pines lonely pines which it was definitely not lonely because we had a few friends out there and were i mean there for a bit because that was the first aid station that we were seeing sierra at um and starting to pace from um so we were just having a blast out there for a a, a number of hours beforehand um that iron Mist. <laughs> what's another one it's, i think it's iron gate isn't it um so that so. you know we were just um having a good time out there at uh friendly pines there was a group of javelinas 
that were stealing uh, hot dog buns or hamburger buns from the aid station. And they were not scared of us. Uh, we were, you know, the crew was ringing bells, cowbells at them and kind of shoot, trying to shoo them away from the aid station food. And they were having none of it. They were hiding behind trees and, you know, planning their next uh, attack on the aid station. Um, so that was, I mean, they were there for quite a while, um, I had never seen javelinas before in person, so it was kind of exciting and they didn't do any harm. Um, so that was, that was, uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, I couple. actually had never seen one in person either before that, when I picked up, um, my pacer, first pacer was Alex. Um, yeah, we saw a whole herd of them kind of, uh, you go through kind of, a. I don't want to call it a, I guess it's a subdivision, like some houses and stuff. So yeah, there's a big herd kind of around someone's yard. <laughs> like, oh, look. <laughs> uh, and they're pretty big too. Like, I mean, like, I yeah, like what I've, I've only seen one and it was like three weeks ago, like on the trail. And I like, I was just kind of in the zone and I look up and for some reason, it's like the size of like a small bear. And you're like, holy shit, what the hell is this thing? It like looks like this big, ugly thing. And I think people like think like javelina is like some like made up creature based on like the race, you know, yeah. like everyone's like, oh, like, you know, they make like this pig here is just like a made up thing. But like, no, they're just like these wild boar things. I don't know that are just like you said, Melissa, super fearless, like are not afraid of humans. Like we'll just take anything. Right. Better than a mountain lion, though, from the uh, prior year or prior. Was it yes. year one or year two? Yeah, year one, I saw the mountain lion. Um, I call it <laughs> the mountain lion territory out in West Sedona, Cougar Canyon. Cougar Canyon. Cougar Canyon. Um, and uh, we did not see one this year, which I was grateful for. Yeah. I don't know if I ever <laughs> want to see one out on the trail when I'm out there ever again. <laughs> did see some elk. There was a big herd of elk in Picture Canyon. I only saw one snake and it wasn't that big. Mm. Um, what else did I see? Yeah, deer, the javelina. Yeah, not too, not too much stuff out there this year. That's good. When I was going through Walnut Canyon through the night with um Aaron, um, we were just kind of trudging along, and that was a rough section, like for sure. Um, but he was like, "Yeah, like there's like mountain lion out here," and I was like, "Fuck, man! Like, why'd you even say that? Like, it wasn't even in like my sphere of consciousness." But like now, I'm just like looking out for like the glaring like eyes like anywhere like turning my head and shit and then obviously taking care of Aaron and I was like you know what like whatever like priority first is Aaron like mountain lion is priority two like you know we'll we'll, we'll if anything I'll, I'll just throw myself in front of the mountain lion to get this guy to the finish so um yeah G glad that none of us had mountain lion experiences but Sarah in terms of wild stories like being out on the course like what about you any wild stories I did see from I, I could be wrong, but like, did, did you have any hallucinations out there? I thought I saw a post saying the hallucinations are setting in, but I don't know if that was for the crew or. Yeah. I so know. I, I know we've talked about this before because I've never really never hallucinated and I'm joking around. I'm like, yeah, I, that's a goal this year. But, um, I wouldn't say it's like, it was full on hallucinating. I, there were these like clusters of cream colored flowers, pretty big flowers, like um, actually, yeah, Sedona during Cocodona is really pretty, like, at night during the day, like, all the flowers were blooming, so, yeah, there were these, like, big cream-colored flowers, and I'd see them in my headlamp and, like, see faces oh. or skeletons, which is really kind of morbid, but, um, 
Yeah. I, I, then I, you know, I, I'm, I knew I, it was like flowers plans, you know, but I would just be, if I was looking around, that's what it first appeared as. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have, I wouldn't say I've hallucinated yet. <laughs> crazy. That is so crazy. Like I, I feel like I would just be like a man on syllabus psilocybin if I ever did like a 250 race. Like I feel like I would just, cause I've like hallucinated in a hundred mile race before. And so and I don't know, you see like some wild stuff when you're out on these trails with 250 mile racers, like just seeing the most craziest stuff. So it's a, I think it's an accomplishment to not hallucinate in the three 200 milers that you've done. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're coming one day, one, <laughs> one day, uh, last question that I have, and I'm curious, like, I'm sure you've been asked before, like what you think your biggest determinant of success is. So I don't want to ask that question, but like a kind of a spin on that. Like when I think of like three different things, whether it's like fitness mindset and like strategy and like strategy includes like, you know, crew and all that stuff out of those three things, which one do you think was like the biggest factor to your success this year relative to the other two years that you've done in those three categories? Oh yeah, that's kind of tough because I do feel like all three were in a good spot, but yeah, this year, I think the strategy piece was something that I focused on, you know, like I knew that I could be calm throughout the whole thing, but for me, it was a matter of like, how much can I push it? Um, you know, I think mindset's a huge part of it always. I, you know, living up here in flag, like just you know, getting consistent mileage in, having a good, uh, big kind of training block in February in New Zealand and doing a lot of climbing and just, you know, staying relaxed going into a race like this. But yeah, I think this year for me, I was very, um, picky, I guess I would say about like strategy piece and like when certain pacers would come in, who I wanted, where, um, and the crew just brought their a game. Like everyone, foot kind of, I feel like focused on their own tasks. And there were a couple times where I would come into an aid station and it was a little overwhelming because everyone wants to help. And I'm like, I can't answer everybody. <laughs> I don't know what I want anyway. I cannot answer all of you asking me questions, but um, I do feel like everyone, you know, when they want you to, to succeed, like they're they're, you know, doing the best job they can to get you in and out of the aid stations and then really, um, you know, stay focused and give it their best to on every, every section that they're pacing. So yeah, I do feel like coming in with the, the new sleep caffeine strategy on my part and having the crew, um, line up with, you know, everything that they were doing just really, really helped again. Like, you know, my downfall is stop time at aid stations, just hanging out chatting with people. Um, so yeah, to, to really, it, it's been cool. I think I actually have learned a lot through this year at Cocodona because I'm like, that's, you know, again, that's what it takes. Like I can spend minutes in an aid station and it's fine. Like I can, that's all I, I just need to do what I need to do, get my stuff and, and go. So um, I'll definitely be taking <laughs> some lessons into my next, next races and bigger races this year, for sure. to like keep cutting down on in station time because it's just, it's just not necessary. I mean, again, depends on what kind of experience you want out there, but yeah, if you're trying to, um, have a certain outcome definitely helps to be smart in aid stations. <laughs> 
for sure. And like, I mean, you cut off basically like a whole day from like the same course, which is just freaking impressive. And to see like how a lot of that's through like the aid station is just, I mean, like that just goes to show like how critical that strategy is for sure. Yeah, I think um, I'm happy with like what I was able to run. I think for sure last year, 2022, I was, a, I don't want to say disappointed, um, but yeah, I just did not run the way that I wanted to on a lot of sections and that's just frustrating um so this year I I do feel like you know the fitness was also there like I was really surprised by how fast I made it to crown king even um feeling like really good so I it's just yeah I think um you know more familiarity for sure but um fitness plays a huge part in that too yeah, you were third overall coming into Crown King and like at the aid station, it was like, shit, she besides like the the little like uh, scrape on the knee, it's like, oh, it looks like she hasn't even started yet. Like she just looks like she's ready to go out and start this thing. And I was like, holy shit, like she she could take this. And I made like the prediction. I was like, top three is going to have a woman on the podium somewhere. I know you were like seconds away from it, too, but like. I was like, oh, it's going to be Sarah. So like, it's, it was so cool to, to see you put together the pieces in terms of fitness and the mindset and the crew strategy and having an all-star uh, crew chief like Melissa over here. I mean, like that is just like an asset too. And Melissa, are you, I know we kind of like talked about this, but has your plans kind of changed for ever potentially doing Coca-Dona? Like, does it ever interest you? Like, or is it just like, nah, never like, I mean, you've seen so much of the course, like do you have any interest or any inkling to do it? Yeah, that's a question I get asked all the time during Coca Dota Week. Um, I this year because it was so much fun. I think that like you know we're talking about not recreating an experience and you know creating new experiences for races, especially at Coca Dona. I would try to bring that same level of energy and excitement um, for a, like a crew to support me if I were to ever do Coca Dona. Um, because that was just, I think that really helps. Like, I don't know. I think running out on that course, since I've seen so much of it, uh, I think it would really help to have a fun group of people out to help me and just have fun as well. Um, cause I do think that all the crew also had a good time out there. Um, and that was just a really special three days. Um, so that's one thing I would definitely look to have if I were to ever do Coca Dona is to like get a solid, uh, all-star crew like you're saying um for myself and um i don't know right now i'm not uh looking to do such long distance races um i'll be doing trans rockies uh in coming up this year uh in august and so that'll be my first multi-day series of races um, i'm gonna treat them i think as races each day uh, so that'll be kind of my first foray into a long distance multi-day uh, event. And then I'll see. Um, but yeah, I ha don't have any plans to do Coca Dona 250 myself uh, anytime soon. Um, I might be out there pacing and crewing. <laughs> so that still sounds like a fun time to me because I can't imagine not being a part of Coca Dona, actually, even though I've never raced. Um, but it, yeah, it was just such a fun week for me. And every year you learn something new. Um, so even hearing from Sarah or Aaron, especially, I think there's some really good tips that I can bring to my other races. And if I were to ever do a long, you know, 200 plus mile race, I would definitely, uh, 
consult them again <laughs> for some more insights um, on gear and nutrition and all of that. Um, just to, you know, make them make the best out of it, I think, because that would be my number one goal, um, would just to be have fun and finish. Um, but you know, Sarah had such a great race. I think it'd be hard for people to not compare me to Sarah, which is something that I would definitely not want to try and recreate any of that. You know, <laughs> I would be out there running my own race and I would hope that people would also respect that and not try to ask me if I'm going to win just because Sarah one, you know, Sarah's got the experience to do it and the fitness. Um, and you know, I definitely do not have that long distance experience and don't do nearly as much, uh, long training miles as Sarah. So I'd be naive to think that I would come in and have a great performance year one. <laughs> I think it's just different difference in interest. We've told you before, it's like, I think people assume that we're gonna do the same stuff mm -hmm. but you just have different interests and melissa's more interest like she's stoked for javelina just like you are you guys are gonna um go hard at javelina and that's just like melissa's just more interested in that stuff um at least right now so yeah i think a lot of people kind of glaze over that fact um and assume that we'll do the same stuff but yeah it's just a difference in interests yeah, and it's cool that you two have, like, the different kind of, like, distinct interests because you have, like, your own, like, personalities and own kind of things. And I know, like, with family, like, I know in my experience, it can be easy to, like, be looped into, like, the same kind of categories where it's like, hey, like, even though, like, we're friends or family or something like that, it's like, I'm still my own person and still want to do those things. And it's like, let's not loop us all together in here, too. And Melissa, to to your point about, like, the, the comparison thing and, like, all that stuff, like, I think people should be watching out for you at Javelina this year. I don't mean to put you on blast, like on the, on the podcast, but like any, uh, anyone who's racing Javelina, like watch out for Melissa out there, like at black Canyon. I mean, like you, you smoked it at black Canyon, like smoked it. And I was like, Holy shit. Like, and I think with like a solid training block and like getting like all of that hundred mile kind of strategy down, fuck man. I think you can really take it on out there. I'm so stoked for you. Yeah, especially we'll probably talk more about Havelina as the race gets closer. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was out there for I mean, I've raced a number of times um, and you know how it is. Like, it's all the excitement. Um, so I think, yeah, bringing that experience. Um, but yeah, after my performance at Black Canyon, too, um, that kind of opened the door to me. I'm like super excited to see what I can do at Havelina. So <laughs> I'm excited for <laughs> I'm you. Like, I almost wish, like, if I wasn't running the race, like, I could, like, crew or pace or something. Like, or, like, clone myself to be a pacer <laughs> or, or a crew member, like. At oh, I was just thinking I'd run the race with you. Yeah, there you go. There you go. One, <laughs> this is this one and two on the, uh, on the podium there. There we go. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, and, and Sarah, so you also have Ure coming up too, which is super cool and exciting. And then Run Rabbit later this year as well. Um, are you looking to like, what, what's the, the goal on those? Like, are you looking for, for top spot? Like what's, or is it more just kind of just racing a race? Like, I know it's always like the kind of thing where it's like, Oh, like you just done one thing. And like, what's next? I know it's always like the, the cursed question, but I'm curious to hear like for you and what's next, like what's your mindset heading into these races? Yeah. I'm this summer. I'm looking for a big mountain experience. So <laughs> Yeah, Ure, I think, is uh, out of my comfort zone, but that's why I signed up initially. So 
yeah, there's a lot of climbing in that and I'm not sure how it will feel. <laughs> I'm not, I have no idea, you know, how things will be going later in the race. Just it's, it's a totally different. I think like a, a few years ago when I signed up for the Mogian monster, like that was my same thought. I'm like, that's going to be a slower, longer 100. It's probably going to take more time than um, I've ever spent out of their 100 mile. Let's see how this goes. Um, yeah, I, I will take all the lessons that I've learned <laughs> and bring them for sure there um, to, yeah, see what I can do, see how the experience goes and just gain some of those uh, skills. You know, the it's in July, so you might have storms rolling in, lightning and all that. So it <laughs> should be exciting. Um, I haven't been out to that area yet, but you know, everyone says it's so pretty too. So I'll get the views. Um, yeah, just looking forward to the grind, I guess I would say. Um, it might be, might be a crazy 100, but I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to, um, you know, another longer, just a 100 that's going to take a lot of time. So it will, for, I'm pretty sure it's going to be over a day, you know, <laughs> day and a half or whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just, I want something out of my comfort zone. That's not, it sounds like a scary race to me and <laughs> that's why I'm going to run it. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That is so awesome. And it's so cool to see you get like the diversity of experience too. Cause I think it could be easy. And I think we've talked about this before. Easy to like rest on your laurels. on like, you know, I'm X type of racer and like, that's all I'm doing, but it's so cool. You're like grabbing experiences. And speaking of that, Melissa just reminded me in the chat to, to talk about this last man or last person standing. I, I don't know. I think, I, I don't know if last man standing is now like a valid term for these races, last person standing um, race that you have coming up, which is super intriguing. This is, have you done last person standings before? Is this like first foray or like, tell us all about this. Cause I'm super curious. And it's like a race format that has become I think it's been around for a while, obviously, but I think over the last few years, it's becoming more and more popularized and kind of into the forefront. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so this is going to be an interesting event. It's the inaugural year of this Crooked Mile uh, last person standing event. And I believe these this will follow the same format. Like, what is it? A little bit over four miles per loop. And you have to complete one loop on the hour, every hour until there is no one left. Um, so you, to win it, you want to be the last person out there able to complete a loop by yourself. Um, and then that'll be the, you know, the victor. Uh, so it'll, it should be really fun. Sarah and I have done one in bend, um, go mm. beyond, put that one on and I did a virtual one. Oh, too. and Sarah did a virtual one. Um, yeah, which was also interesting. Yeah. So I think the strategy is quite different from a 100, quite different from a 250, um, just because, you know, you want to be able to run the loop fine and easy. Uh, in my experience at the previous one I did, um, I wasn't planning to spend so much time in between each loop because you would get cold. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so like that's plays into your strategy. Uh, you want to be able to shift gears and go a little bit faster to either get some food, um, take care of yourself before you get out there on another loop. Um, so I think that'll, I think the strategy will be quite different compared to any of the distances, um, that I've done before. And even to a timed event, I think this will be quite different to a timed event where, you know, it's kind of the time is the limit, but you don't know how many miles you're always going to get. This one, you don't know how long it's going to last. Um, you know, it could last, 
<laughs> you know, 24 hours, 48 hours, who knows? Um, so I think that too uh, will require some mental fortitude. You know, that's another thing where you don't want to get impatient and start thinking about the potential time that you'll be out there. Uh, you just got to focus on one lap at a time. Um, and I'm super excited for this one too. Um, Keith Munch is putting this one on and we met him at the first year of Coca-Dona. He and his crew were kind of leapfrogging um, Sarah all day. The runner that they were crewing was nearby um, all the way up until essentially in Flagstaff. So a good chunk of the race, we had been seeing the crew and they asked um, if Sarah needed another pacer. And so Keith Munch jumped in to pace uh, Sarah for a section. Oh, and shit. so I feel like it's coming like full circle. We're getting back together <laughs> with uh, his group of runners. Um, they go by the State 48 runners. They have a weekly uh, run down in Phoenix. Uh, so I think it'll be just a really good crowd uh, out there competing and having a fun weekend. Oh yeah. And like, it's so interesting, the strategy you were talking about before. Cause like, if you get into the night, there's also the element of like, do you go faster? So you get more time to sleep or like, and you also have to master the art of like falling asleep. Like I remember like Harvey Lewis, like would actually practice those things before like Big's Backyard Ultra. Cause it's like such a skill to get in those like micro naps in between. And I'm sure Sarah, you probably relate with like Coca Dona at all. Like with, with Coca Dona kind of on your back, do you feel like you have an edge in this Sarah? Like, like, what do you like? No, <laughs> no, not, no. not even close. Um, no. And I think like, again, this format is a little stressful and I think in a way it simplifies it. If you want to be the last person standing, you, you're not going to quit. Like, you know, there's the interlupal period where it's like every lap at, am I still going or do I stop? But if you want to be the last person, the decision is easy. Like you don't have a choice. Of course, you're still going if there's someone else. So like in a way it's simple. You just keep running until it's, you know, until there's one person left. Um, but yeah, all the things that you have to be keeping on top of, staying on top of um, during the race. Like you have to be eating enough, you have to be drinking enough so you're not digging yourself a hole early on. You got to keep up, you know, and be able to have probably different gears um, later in the race. Like if you need to take more, if you know you need to take more time in between loops, like you are you have to run faster and, and give yourself a little bit ex of extra time. Um, yeah, I don't feel like I have an advantage here. I think that uh, the virtual one that I did went well, um, but I kind of, I made my own route because it was a virtual thing. Mm. Um, and like, I just, I think my goal then, like, it was like, oh yeah, 24 hours is a hundred miles. Great. Um, but yeah, there's a lot going on. I think at these events, you see everybody, every loop, you all start together. Um, you know, who knows what the conversations are going to be out there. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how big the field is currently. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to be, I, I, I have to sit down and see what my goals, what I want my, what I want to do with this, um, e event coming off of Cogadona. Like, again, I have some other stuff this summer for sure that are bigger priorities, I think. So yeah. What kind of, uh, experience <laughs> do I want to have? I know for sure Melissa's way fresher than me i think and probably maybe revving to go <laughs> and see how far she can run so yeah i think it's just going to be a fun time with a good group of folks out there and this it's like 
it's at 8,000 feet and there's like 500 feet of climbing per loop. So it's not exactly flat and it's at, you know, some altitude um, and the weather might be crazy. Keith has been posting some photos like they've had some hail out there. There's been some rain. So um, for me, this might be good practice for later in the summer where I will run into some inclement weather for sure. And I <laughs> need the mental strength to keep running when it's raining. <laughs> I now have exactly. a very low tolerance for rain. Portland <laughs> <laughs> for seven years. Oh, true. I mean, like it's like an everyday thing, and like now, I mean, does it rain a lot in Flagstaff, or is it like? Uh, it was some oddly. We it seemed like we had like an early monsoon season. Now, like it's sunny, so maybe that was just a short period. But I mean, up here. I mean, the rain's nice. It's not, it doesn't stay, it doesn't stick around all day. Like it's not completely overcast all day, which is um, definitely <laughs> better than complete gray all the time. But um, yeah, running in the rain is definitely not the most motivating thing. And you need the right gear. Like you don't want to get cold. You don't want to get overheated. You don't want to be wearing like a sauna, you know, jacket and like be sweating way too much. You know, like you just, you. I think you just have to, stay on top of things um it's not really like you can break it up in any i mean it's it's for a little over four miles per loop but it's not like you can go you can really break it up like oh i'm gonna do the first marathon this way like you just have to stay on top of everything um constantly yeah for sure and it's just uh Oh man, it's, it's always just, I don't know, an inconvenience, you know, like when you're you like, you get the raindrops and you're like, oh boy, like now I'm just going to be wet. And it's, I don't know, for me, every time I run the rain, it's just always in the back of my head. And like, you just start thinking of other stuff. And this just could be me being a head case, but like, I'm in the same boat as you. It's just like, it is no fun to run in the rain. And back to your, your point before about scenarios, I'm just imagining the scenario in my head where the two last people standing are you two. And then it's just like a sister showdown. Like, yeah, it's like how competitive do you want to get? <laughs> yeah, like secretly, I'm kind of rooting for that scenario personally, like just to see you two duke it out. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah, because we actually haven't raced the same event in a number of years now, right? Yeah, maybe like two. What was the last? I think maybe the last one we did was Javelina 2021. Was that it? That might have been it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. So this is like, for, home, yeah, home that home. was. Were you, was did you do Black Canyon 2022? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was the last one. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe Black Canyon 2022. Because we were in, we did Silverton Alpine, but you ran the marathon, mm. right? And across the years that we did different distances. Yeah, we have not competed That's together true. for a while. Melissa's you... always... <laughs> Do you, like, do you like competing against each other or is it like like how do you approach that i'm super curious i think now i again i think it's interesting to see i mean i don't think we let it get in our heads too much but people like compare you know if we're running the same thing um but i think at this point we've had different training even mm. for the past year year and a half we've raced different things we have different like racing experience so um yeah i guess i'm curious to see how that plays out um at maybe i mean i'm not thinking that crook and miles gonna get yeah i don't competitive between us but <laughs> yeah i think this format probably isn't the ultimate test 
I know, and I'm over here just trying to stir the pot, like for like the story. If I were to sign up for Javelina, we know who would win. <laughs> you should just, just not do, me. Just do the Javelina <laughs> run rabbit double, and just uh, all three of us will, be, will party in there. Well, I got I got some other stuff before run rabbit, so I will not be. <laughs> yeah, that would be. I'll uh, crew. I will crew you guys. <laughs> <Javelina>. <laughs> Oh, I have pacing um, duties too, so I'll I'll be out there. But oh, who are you pacing? How are you pacing, Melissa? Or oh, she's looking for some fast pacers, though. Yeah, I'm trying to recruit some fast pacers who are not gonna um, be nice to me out Being there. Fast pacers. So, the art of choosing pacers—it's important when you yeah. got goals. <laughs> goals, <laughs> Your goals. For, goals for the experience and goals for the performance. So. Let's go. Well, if you're a mean fast pacer, listen to this. Um, we have an application open. If anyone would like to submit to, to pace Melissa to victory at Javelina 100, so putting it out there for sure. People will probably. Res- I mean, I've gotten people like because I think I needed a pacer for like some race, and someone's like, "Yeah, like I'll do it." And granted, I didn't end up meeting at the end of the day, but you might find a pacer through here. Who knows? Yeah, please. If you're interested, let me know. I'm on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> you should just put like a job description for a pacer i think that would a good be, idea i yeah, think i think that should be normalized okay. yeah like that uh-huh. should be normalized there should be like a some interviews <laughs> yes like there should be an indeed for pacers right <laughs> where you have like a specific what is your strategy <laughs> yeah exactly like my like for Find me like my ideal pacer would be yeah someone who's kind of a dick but like will also like have a good time you know like <laughs> Someone who's not going to let me BS, but also like crack a joke every once in a while, you know, just be like, hey, like, why did the chicken cross the road? But at the same time, like, eat that fucking gel, you know, so like you kind of need the balance in there. Like that would be that would be my ideal pacer. Like, so what about you? If we had like an indeed for pacers, what would be your job description? Well, I think back to so when I ran um, the Ute 100, I had asked stupidly one of the aid station volunteers if this was an aid station where you could drop and i i just was toying with the question you know i didn't actually i don't think i seriously considered dropping but i asked the question and he paused and then he looked me straight in the eyes very seriously like not even joking he said you cannot drop at this aid station and you can't drop at any aid station so i'm like oh yes Thank, thank you. I was being foolish when I asked it. Sorry. Like, I'm going to continue on. Thanks for the ice pop. You saved my day. Like, I want someone who's going to come in and realize that maybe some of my requests to sit down or whatever it is are stupid and that I don't need them. You know, just take me out of that. If, you know, my mindset or whatever. Um, Yeah, I think that would be great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, someone who's going to push the pace a little. I told me that, that I keep up, knows how to keep me going a little bit faster than I think I could in that moment. Yeah, that'd be great. I think it helps to have a pacer who can take control a bit because it's like, yeah, you want to sit in the chair, but I mean, you know, you maybe don't need that. Maybe you don't know that, and the pacer can steer you away. So, yeah, they can kind of lead you to make the right decisions, even if they trick you a little bit in the moment. That's who I want. <laughs> right. Exactly. I will appreciate it after for sure. 
exactly it's like someone who like it's like oh man i hate you so much right now but then like you look at the end of the day like and they're like oh man that was awesome like i'm pretty sure like aaron hated me like so much climbing up eldon but like we're friends now it's all good and he got sub 100 <laughs> hours so like hey whatever happened on eldon stays on eldon and that's uh, yeah that's how it goes 100 that's, that's i think kind of the golden rule of pacing too like whatever is said out between the runner and the pacer while you're on on course you know we can just forget that take the learnings but realize that like it's nothing personal we yes. just want the runner to have a good race or their race experience that they were um you know out there to have um and <laughs> if you're mean like it's nothing personal <laughs> All is forgiven in love and pacing like that. That should be the yeah, phrase. There we go. There we go. All is forgiven for sure. Like, uh, do you guys prefer, I mean, you, you two, I mean, Melissa, I know you pay Sarah and obviously like, I've heard like a theory where people have said like, oh, like, should I even have a pacer that knows me? Because if like you have someone you don't know, you kind of like want to give a good first impression. So like, you're not totally like, you know complaining to them or like acting like mean or like you're almost just like you're you're putting it together like for example like at Hobbling 100 I'd known Austin before like had him on the podcast but that was my first time ever meeting him in person and I was like dang if I like act like a total like whiny brat right now like this guy's gonna think I'm like a psychopath so it's like I almost had to like internalize my complaints yeah, a lot. Best behavior yeah but at the same time I see the benefit of having a familiar pacer because then they know you better. And I don't even know. I think sometimes depending on the situation, like just getting it off your chest instead of just like, you know, kind of stuffing it in, like, you know, like I, sometimes I do in my daily problems and then it just explodes like later in life, you know, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm curious to hear like, what what is your take on familiar pacers versus unfamiliar pacers? It's fun to have strangers pace, like Melissa mentioned when Keith hopped in, total mm -hmm. stranger. I'm like, who's this dude that who, <laughs> that's so kind to come and join me for what could be hours? Like, who knows how long this, I don't know if it was 14 or 15 miles or something. Like, during Cocodona, that's a long time. You know, you're not going super fast, but he gave off this vibe, like this, um, like he had so many stories to share. And I'm like, I don't want to let this guy down. So I was like running, you know, I wanted to like, not that I was trying to do anything impressive, but I'm like, he's out. He's so nice to be out here spending his time running with me versus, you know, spending time with his crew or whatever he had planned. Um, yeah, I couldn't let him down. So like, I think it helped because we got done with the section faster, but yeah, I think it's just, you got to have a, it helps to have a pacer who will like know who like understands what you need. Right. Like mm -hmm. if you don't, you don't want to be, telling them what to like taking time telling them everything that they should be doing you know um yeah if they can somehow tell like what you need <laughs> and do that it's very helpful sometimes you need to vent you know sometimes for me i don't want to hear like how great you know like oh you look great you're looking strong you know like i don't need to hear that um sometimes you just want to vent or like um yell or whatever and then you move on and keep running um sometimes you just want to joke around but um yeah it's nice uh if they somehow infer what you need at the time or if they give you some some commands or things to think about um either coming into the aid station or if they can kind of say like you know let's run this or let's run this faster or 
you know anything like that i think is is always great mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i think there's an element too like depending on the race and what your goals are for maybe a certain section you have pacers at you know there's different uh you know, guidance that you could provide to your pacers, depending on the section and what you might need from a pacer, whether it's, you know, daytime or nighttime, um, whether you need to vent or whether you want them to like talk your ear off and you don't want to say anything, you know, you just want to be engaged and entertained potentially, you know, I think that all kind of plays into who you might want to include. Um, I know for me, like, you know, pacing Sarah, uh, you know, I don't know if she listens to me the best, when I suggest things uh, like if I, uh, you know, had an icy out there and I said, Hey, like here, we got an icy for you. She probably, she might not take it, but you know, our crew members had a, a icy, like a slushy out. And Sarah's like, who's is this? Can I, can I have this? They're like, Oh yeah. You know, like, cause it wasn't for me is why she took it. <laughs> so I think there's an element of that, like knowing someone so well that you don't care to listen to them anymore. Because they're just an enabler, you know? <laughs> I don't know if it's that, but it's like Melissa and I are, it's, I don't know if I want to even say competitive. It's, it's just like, are you like, you don't need to be nice to me. Like, why are you saying that? You know, like, just, I don't know. It's just like, oh. Yeah, it's kind of like the family member kind of thing. Like, I know, like, when my mom will suggest something, right? She's like, oh, here's this advice. I'm like, man, mom, like, you know, I love you, but, you know, I don't know. And then someone gives me the same advice later. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, like, novel advice. Like, way to go. And my mom's like, what the fuck, Joe? Like, I told you the same thing, like, two months ago. It's, I don't know. Yeah, there's there's something about that. I've never thought about that, but I know I've definitely done that, too. Sometimes you just need to hear it from someone else. Yeah, you just need, like, maybe the second validation. Maybe it's not the person. Maybe it's just, like you hear it once you're like eh, whatever you hear it two times like okay maybe there's maybe there's something to it i don't know <laughs> oh my goodness well kind of so, coming up really quickly are you gonna have do you have crew lined up for javelina already so aaron's coming back to return to crew me which is gonna be awesome so he'll be crewing um it's interesting last year i had like i had way too many people help me out like uh because i'd never done a crew before never done a crew so i had no idea like what to expect um so i had i had like five people crew me last year which was way too much for sure um like there was kind of people just kind of standing around like not doing much and made me feel bad because i was like ah fuck like they're literally just seeing me for like five minutes and just to hand me a water bottle and that's it and i was like oh one person could easily do this um so I'm definitely trying to cut down on crew, probably like two people max. And then right now I got Bryce to pace me um, as one of my pacers. Ideally, I'd like to have two pacers because I like the idea of having just two people clip out fresh 20 milers. I think, I don't know, I think asking someone to go 40, not that I think Bryce can't do it, but like I'd rather have, you know, two fresh people take on 20s. Um and then you also get that variety mix up. So I know I have Bryce for at least one of the loops kind of coming in and I'm looking for another fast pacer. So if anyone listening to uh, revert back a few minutes ago to my job description and please apply at uh, hire, hire a And uh, <laughs> that's not a real website, by the way, don't go to that link. Um, or maybe, maybe we should just buy the domain and set it up. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's kind of like my, um, strategy this year and like i like you were saying sarah before like i need to get my time out of the aid stations like so much more i was sitting down like wasting too much time like don't even have it yeah i don't yeah and like i have so many like every picture of me at the aid station i'm in the fucking chair and i like (laughs) i i like hate it like i look at it i'm like damn like i really (laughs) wish i wasn't in that chair um 
So no chairs this time. No, no chairs. That's, that's kind of it. What about you, Melissa? What's your, I mean, I know you're looking for pacers, but what's the crew strategy this year? Oh yeah. Um, I would love to get it. I'm sure we're going to have many Havlina conversations coming up. Oh yeah. Um, so I, the last time I run, ran Havlina hundred miler was in 2021. Um, and that was my second time at the hundred miler there. And I got what, 19 hours and 55 minutes or something. And that was a, a massive improvement. I think a couple hour, a few hours um, difference from the first time I ran Havlina which I think that was actually my first 100 miler that I did back in 2017 Havelina mm. might've been. Um, so an improvement um, at that course and that race, but I too, that was the first year we had moved to Arizona and we saw so many people out at the aid stations and um, Sarah and I like ran um, a couple laps together. Um, I think at least a couple laps um, we stopped and, socialized with way too many people. Not that like, it was a fun experience, really great. I had a, I mean, that was a great race for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I too do not want to waste time at the aid stations. I'll wave, say hi, get what I need and hopefully be on my way out to the next aid station, because that is, uh, definitely what kills the time. Um, when you really, you know, realize that you don't need all that time in the aid station, um, my goal too is to, you know, remove the chairs. Don't give me a chair. Don't give me a cot. Um, I don't want to sit down. I'll just um, ice my, I was icing my legs um, and, you know, pouring cold water on myself. I think I'll do a lot of that this year. Um, I think that really helped um, and just, you know, dial in the fueling, get some fast, mean pacers, <laughs> tell me out. Um, and then I think we'll have a pretty good crew out there. Um, a number of friends are coming out to race um, and we'll probably have a lot of people from Flagstaff Phoenix as well. So I think the crew, the main crew area at uh, headquarters is probably going to be really fun when you're in there. But yeah, I do not uh, want to spend time. I want to like, you know, be at packet pickup, socializing, maybe after the race. Um, but I do not want to be hanging out during the race this year. <laughs> <laughs> it is such an easy race to hang out at too because it is such a party you see so many people on the course given like the you know 20 mile loop format with with you know hundreds of people out there and the aid stations are wild like usually like volunteers or people you know it's like it's dangerous out there it's like you just can't you almost gotta be in like like jerk mode i call it like you just gotta be like oh hey like and they're like oh hey, how's it going and i'll be like oh, i don't know run a race like catch you later you know kind of thing like because it's dangerous because I was even getting hooked into conversations and like taking pictures of people at the aid stations. And like, meanwhile, like, you know, Shelby's coming to me. She's like, yeah, you're trying to win a golden ticket. And like, this is what you're doing. Like, and I was like, nah, it's very, that's what the pacers point. are for. Tell yeah. the pacers that's their, their content uh, capture. They're the people who talk and say, you're doing great to the other participants. You yeah, know, exactly. the, once you get the pacer, they're the voice out there for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sally was telling Sarah and I yesterday that or two days ago, like with that, like, like basically the person is the person to talk to the person you pass and everything like that. And like, they're your voice and brain and everything defer like everything that. The pacer. Yeah. Defer everything, even thinking, <laughs> talking, <laughs> everything, speed management, like everything for sure. That's probably possible though. They just tell you when to eat. Are you drinking? Um, you know, get the stuff for you at the aid station. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can just kind of run on with a good pacer. I feel like you can just run on autopilot and that just simplifies like, the final two loops for sure. For sure. Yeah. You just like take like your 
carcass and just, you know, <laughs> get it one step in front of the other and get it to the finish line and just let the pacer be the brain. That's really, it. Yeah, really the, the race, the race now becomes three loops. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In the end of the day, we're really just running 60 miles. Like that's it. That's it. The other 40, we're just, we're just in a simulation. I have no yeah, idea. Cruise control. <laughs> cruise control. <laughs> exactly. You just let it ride. Let this it is actually a great way to break it up because like normally I break up races into quarters mm. and like I always say the third quarter is the hardest where you know you're over halfway done but not quite near the finish line yet but Havelina you know having five loops for the hundred miler um you know you can kind of break it up into five loops but honestly breaking up into 100k and then getting like that, then the race starts kind of, well, maybe not all with all the time in Javelina. That's a pretty hot race, but uh, that's a good way to break it up actually. Mm, yeah, that is like the first hundred K. Yeah, yep. for sure. I've never thought of it because it, it's so easy to think. I think it makes it almost easier in my mind than thinking of it at five loops. It just sounds like it's more for some odd reason where it's like first hundred K and then the rest, it's like two parts. Like, yeah. That's, pretty much it and speaking of 100k i mean sarah like you smoked it last year at the 100k which was super cool to see so basically we just gotta run like you for the first uh first 100k and then then it's home free do you have any interest in doing the 100 miler ever again sarah oh yeah i love that race i would definitely do it again i think i mean i was still toying with the idea of running it (laughs) this year (laughs) really but uh i don't think that would be smart um yeah and plus i think or like the night loop i haven't done that fun mm. kind of like one loop race i think that'd be fun too um i'd for sure go back i think it just depends on like this you know what what other races and stuff i have going on and this year i don't think it's gonna work out to like race that and that like honestly javelina is a great place to like race like you're running you know like that course is not a lot of climbing like it's pretty flat you know it's very familiar every same thing every loop um besides that extra part in the first one like it's a great place to kind of uh test yourself essentially on you know and for me it's like i've done it a few times um but i've only raced on the loop i have not done a lot of training out there (laughs) i think i've only been racing out out on pemberton but yeah definitely a good place to like test yourself and it's it's a cool thing to have later in the year yeah, for sure. Like, I agree with everything you're saying. It's just such a fun race. It's like very runnable 100. I mean, like that was, I never thought like I would ever run like the entirety of the thing. And it's like, you can out there if you want to win you like you have to. Um, And the talent is just so cool. I mean, I'm even just looking at even just 100k. And this year on the females, Courtney DeWalter and Camille Heron on the 100k. Um, So like it always just brings such good talent. And like the cool thing is like you don't even have to be in first place to see them on the course because, you know, they're on that same just kind of loop as you. So it's just like you just meet people who you're like, shit, like this is someone who I like look up to in the sport and like there they are just crushing it. And it's uh, it's a party. It's super cool. So I I totally see the draw to come back. Like for me, like I barely... I'm not like about like repeating races, like, but this one, I was like, I have to come back, um, which is interesting for sure. Yeah, it's definitely cool. I remember, yeah, was it 2021? A couple years ago. Yeah, seeing people like Camille out on the course or last year, uh, seeing Arlen, like, you know, about to win as I was finishing up a loop or whatever, um, like, or um, 
Yeah, did he? 2021, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, seeing everyone mm-hmm. on the course is definitely cool. Yeah, it's a cool, cool experience too. Well, yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about it coming up too, which is super cool. If we have this monthly series and I'm sure we'll like talk about like our building stuff and Sarah, like I'm curious to hear about like your uh, Ure experience and run rabbit. I know we'll kind of like be talking probably about our training and updating too, but like, I'm I'm sure like the next episode, we'll probably be talking about the, uh, the, the big daddy of them all, uh, our good friend, Western States 100, which is coming up uh, inevitably, which is super cool. Yeah. Really looking forward to being out there this year. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be electric. And I'm, I mean, I don't want to start a whole discussion thread, but the thing that I'm, I'm to think is just so interesting is like Adam Peterman is no longer going to be in the race now. So it's like who on the men's field is going to take, like, I thought Adam Peterman was a lock and now I think it's anyone's race now. So I don't know. And the female field is so stacked too, as it always is, but like, the women in the sport are getting so freaking good. Like, I think we will reach a point where like, I'm telling you, like females are going to win overall races. I really do think so. I, I genuinely think so. Um, I think it's, it's upon us sooner than we think. Yeah. But I guess that's a discussion thread for another episode. <laughs> Save it for another episode. Save it for another episode. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for listening in Melissa and Sarah, any last words, comments, questions hail marys hot takes joe i would love to hear you know aaron's coming back it sounds like to help you out at javelina you paced him at cocodona um you probably saw a lot of his tricks you know as you were pacing him learned a lot from him what's uh, a tip that you've got for us and uh, you know as you head into some more training for your upcoming season you know what's one tip that you have for us in the audience this time for like uh, pacing or like for like, just uh, you know, how do you become a better endurance athlete? <laughs> oh, now I'm getting the question. Oh my gosh, man. Uh, well, I guess like I'll take one I learned from Cocodona and then like one I just kind of learned, um, you know, just in general. I think the one thing is like you want to have pacers that are going to put your needs above theirs, and I think it's so intuitive to think, oh, I need to take care of my pacer and all those kind of things. Like, yeah, sure. You need to take care of them. But like there was times when I was pacing Aaron and my stomach was fucked up. I was tired. Like I was sore. Like, I feel like I was more sore than him out there to be honest. And so, but like in those moments, I'm like, I can't, like, it doesn't matter. Like that does not matter. Like what matters is like doing this task at hand and like getting him through. It's like, you know, he's asking me like, how are you doing? And like, meanwhile, I'm messed up and I'm just like, yeah, man, I'm good. Like, just keep it going. And like, it works. And I think you have to have pacers that are just completely like martyrs almost. Like I really do feel that way. And of course you want them to sleep and like be in good spirits and like all that kind of stuff. But I mean, we as ultra runners have the ability to, you know, act despite we are suffering. And even though someone isn't racing, like, I think you got to have a pacer with that mindset. So I think, you know, a big tip is if you are pacing or if you're finding a pacer, like a great pacer is one that puts the needs of others above themselves. Like even if they're in the pain cave, I really tr- truly believe that that's probably going to get me in trouble and people be like, what the fuck, Joe? But like, that's what I truly believe. And the second thing is honestly, like, like from a general perspective, a thing to do every day is just being consistent. I mean, like that's, that's the name of the game. And like, I'm honestly 
teetering on the side of not being as consistent as I want to be with just like tons of travel. And like I had this knee issue pop up this morning. So it's been kind of dicey lately. But um, I think consistency still counts if you're like doing rehab or if you're taking a rest day or um, I don't think consistency comes in just running every single day. I think we hear consistent and that's where we go to. But really, in the end of the day, it's like, are you doing something that moves you towards your goal? Answer is yes. That's kind of the the vibe from there. So um, basically, if you're a pacer, don't take care of yourself. And if you're a runner, take care of yourself. Like it's that's hard though, because I think, yeah, me too, as a runner, I'm like, how are they doing? Like, are they having a good time? You know, yes. are they doing this section? Do they have enough? Did they fill their own water bottles? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> they have food in their back. Did they bring their own snacks? Um um yeah but yeah to be clear about that i think up front <laughs> also help like yeah just to take the stress off of everybody and take the questions out yeah because if like a pacer said to you like hey man like i'm really nauseous or hey man my legs really hurt like what goes through your head it's like oh fuck are they going to be able to like bring me through the finish you know like you start to think these things and you start to like doubt them a little bit and i was like i don't want to create any of it i don't want him to have like any doubt about me even though i'm like kind of falling apart over here you know but um and i think it helps like it really does like i i don't know i think uh and aaron was telling me this too like he used to be want to be in the back of the pack a lot but he's kind of steered away from it because he would notice that people would be a little bit more negative and kind of like oh you know like probably just gonna dnf anyways or just you know saying these harmless comments but he was saying like that gets into your head and stuff like that. And he wanted to get away with it. And I think the same goes for a pacer. Like you put that negative energy out there. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think when you're delirious, it's even more contagious in those moments. It's like, are you going to be a hype man? Or are you going to be a piece of shit? I don't know. But like, yeah. Yeah, in so terms, I'm going to get so stomped on for this whole like monologue, but I really think like I, I will die on the hill. So I'm doubling <laughs> down on it. So come That's after great. me <laughs> i mean that's great what advice last last piece of advice for you two as we uh sign off here from the cocodona champion and the cocodona crew champion i was thinking so you know going into this last person standing event um and i might have even said this to sarah during cocodona and this is probably what i'm going to be thinking about in uh Havelina as well i had a i have a friend hugh davis who i think i heard this from he said that he asked you know why can't the first mile of a race be the same as the last mile of mm. the race and so i think like i've been thinking about that while i'm out there training or racing and think like if i can sustain you know the ability to be able to feel as good run as well the last mile as i did in the first mile when you've got all the adrenaline going you know it's just getting going you're all excited I think that would be a success, you know, to be able to have the same energy um, or even more, maybe even a faster gear, you know, um, and kind of treat that last mile, uh, feel it just as good as you did in the first mile. So I think that's just more mental tricks that I'm trying to think about while I'm actually out there on the course. So good. So good. Cause I think it's like so easy to think like, oh, like mile a hundred out of a hundred is going to hurt like no matter what, but like who says it has to, right? Like it's, I mean, you look at guys like Nick Curry who are like negative split in like all these ultras and he even says he feels pretty great on those things. So it's definitely possible. So love that mindset. That's awesome. And Sarah, what about you? 
kind of coming off of the big win and heading into uh, Ure training, what's what's your last piece of advice for the listeners here? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I maybe I'd say don't be afraid to go after bigger goals for yourself. Um, yeah, I think I'm getting I'm working on that. Like I'm getting better at like. I guess laying out what I could potentially do at some of these these races. Um, it's not all about racing. Like I I think you know the main thing is have fun training and go after something that really like that you're really passionate about and that will remain something exciting to you that you're working towards. But yeah, don't be afraid to you know go after the bigger things. Let's go. And I think your, uh, you know, your win, like totally showed that, right? Like you went for it, you went big and you won big, like on there too. Like, and you had the textbook race. I've told you this many times and posted on social media, like the way that you race that race, like if there was a textbook on how to run Coca-Dona, it would just be your 2023 race. I really do believe that. So, um, super cool to see you swinging for it, going for it, challenging yourself at other races. And, uh, Melissa saying to you, like, I'm so stoked to continue to follow, like the build to Javelina and seeing you at trans Rockies, like this, this crew right here, we got, we got a lot of big things going on. So on top of like this unnamed monthly podcast series, as of now, yes, if you're listening to this, we probably have come up with a name already, but at this time we're, we're figuring it out. So bear with us, but Anyways, everyone, thanks for listening. Melissa and Sarah, thanks again. And uh, we'll talk again next month. Talk soon. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. And if you absolutely love the show and want to support us in any ways, there's a few ways that you can do so. The first way is writing us a review on the platform of your choice. Reviews really, really matter, and they help us to spread the word a lot more. So if you have the time to do so, would love that as well. Number two, you can join our Patreon community. Patreon helps us to support the show and helps us to grow and invest into new developments and growth. And on top of that, just for about $5 a month, you can get access to monthly calls with me where you can ask me anything on a monthly basis, connect with other members in the Everyday Ultra community, and ultimately get early access episodes without ads as well, which is super, super cool, all for about $5 a month. So it's a great way to support us. And then number three is taking care of our sponsors on here. So as you heard in the beginning of the podcast, uh, we had some sponsors in here. And if you want to invest into their product and uh, go try them out, they're all products that I try either in my training and I live by. I don't take any sponsorships from anybody I don't incorporate in my training. So uh, feel free to take advantage of their product and tell them that Joe sent you from Everyday Ultra. Those are three ways to support the podcast, but no matter which way that you choose or if you don't choose a way at all, just know that I really appreciate you for listening in. I know there's tons of podcasts out there and the fact that you're listening to us, that really, really means a lot. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And remember, become a better endurance athlete every day, and we'll see you real soon. Take care.